0: The Athletic.
1: The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbreak off.
2: Hello, I'm Ian Stone. Welcome to Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast for the Athletic. Uh, James McNicholas is back with us and making her debut this season. Uh, Amy Lawrence. Uh, good morning, guys. Morning. Hey, <laughs> uh, Amy, I mean, look, we want to talk about being back at the Emirates and how joyous it was for the first 10 or 12 minutes. But there was a point as I was leaving, Amy, when I caught sight of you with a thousand yard stare in the press box at the end of the game. And it didn't look quite so joyous by then. <laughs> but it, I, I tried to get a photo, but you changed your look. <laughs> But, um, um, oh, that would have been really appreciated. Thanks,
1: Tony, <laughs> for your consideration.
2: I figured that would be the case. That would have but... really cheered me up a lot. <laughs> I tried, but you moved. Um, it was great to be back at the Emirates, was it not? With a crowd.
1: It it was. It was. It was sort of one of those things where you feel like you're kind of being plugged back into electricity and come back to life briefly. You know. I just thought there was a so many little sort of sensory moments where you just felt great. I mean, when you know, a couple of times, I mean, early on it was really very loud, like almost unusually so. It was, it was very touching, and it was a nice to have the warm welcome for Odegaard when he came out. Uh, it sort of everything felt sunny for a while, yes. and and there was just this moment as well before the game where, there's a lot of people came in quite early because, particularly for listeners who. Might not have the chance to to go to the Emirates. They changed the ticketing arrangements this season with new digital passes and new season tickets, and everybody was a bit uh, worried that nothing was going to work. Well, I certainly was. So that people were advised to get there very early, and there was just this hubbub of sort of chit chat before the game, which I was really enjoying. Just everybody just yakking away to people that they hadn't seen for, you know, best part of a couple of years. Yeah, and and then there was this classic moment where you think, ah, oh, the, the, you know, the eternal optimism of the football fan. You know, when everyone started singing, "We're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen." You know, like <laughs> as if they meant it, and yeah. you know, obviously that 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 uh, gets deflated pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's a it's a, a strange time to be an Arsenal supporter because. It's natural that you're going to have a big excitement to be back in that communal feeling that everybody has missed. But things are tricky. And, you know, is it right to be booing and jeering and slagging people off? And (laughs) can you do that as much as you would ordinarily? Because you feel like, you know, okay, should be trying to enjoy this thing of being back. I don't know whether that was a dilemma for people or not i uh, well
2: yeah, it <laughs> was it wasn't stony <laughs> it wasn't a dilemma for the people around me. I'll say that james it was sunny at the start, wasn't it and then and then it all got a bit grim, but that opening period my my son who is who was doing g c s e um english uh explain the idea of a pathetic fallacy to me
0: (laughs) right weather
2: foreshadows what's going on and there was a point during the game when i thought we're gonna get talked here but as amy said seeing our extended family which is what the people around you are at the emirates and 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 maybe even people in the press box it does feel good to be back I stretching it a bit, Stone. Yeah, I was wondering that. As I said it, I thought, oh, I don't know, really. But yeah, what do you think, James?
0: Yeah, I, I was in my season ticket yesterday uh, in the North Bank and I have literal family who sit a few rows in front of me, a couple of cousins, saw them. It was lovely and I found myself get, got, getting really sort of sucked into the idea that Arsenal might produce a result here. I know it might seem absurd in the cold Did light you? of day, but amid the camaraderie and just sort of, The joy of being back in my seat, it's been a long time. I've been lucky enough to go to games, but not to sit, you know, where I sit with people I recognise, faces I know. Uh, And I found myself being swept up and thinking, you know, maybe we'll produce a performance here. Of course, um, that was punctured pretty early on by Romelu Lukaku's goal. And the atmosphere did kind of hinge on that moment, I found. You know, it was very, very soon after that ball hit the net that... The optimism turned to anger and disappointment around me. And it just changed the atmosphere of the whole day, really. And and on the subject of booing at full time, you know, I, I can understand the frustration those fans felt because they'd watched 90 minutes really in which Arsenal hadn't particularly laid a glove on Chelsea. And although in the second half, you know... <laughs> There was a bit more fight about the team. I think, you know, we always had the sense that Chelsea were slightly holding us at arm's length and if they'd needed to go and get another goal, they probably could have done.
2: Yeah, I, I should say, I will, we'll talk in more detail about the game. Uh, I should give you a little reminder, you can get yourself an Athletic subscription, if you haven't already, for a third off by going to the athletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod. That's the athletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod. So, Arsenal nil, Chelsea two. That pretty much, Amy, I mean, it could have been a lot more. But as James said, we improved a little bit in the second half. But again, as James said, they really did hold us at arm's length, didn't they? Yeah,
1: but like they're European champions, they've just spent 100 million quid on one of the best strikers in world football at his peak. And they were more or less full strength. In the red corner. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, we did look pretty wimpy by comparison, unfortunately. And part of that was circumstances that um, Mikel Arteta chose the word unprecedented. And I don't know whether there's a suggestion there that there are things we don't know about behind the scenes. But obviously a lot of fairly significant players were unavailable. And I think that has been really a cursed situation for Arsenal to start a season like this with difficult fixtures, particularly Chelsea and Man City in the first three, and have key personnel that you would hope would give you a solid platform absolutely out of the picture. Mm. And I don't think that a a more full-strength Arsenal would have beaten Chelsea because they're too strong at the moment and Arsenal are, even best-case scenario, working a lot of progress with a lot of young players. But I definitely think Arsenal could have shown more. And I think I saw um, a tweet from someone uh, on the morning of the game and it really resonated with me where, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, but they said something along the lines of, I'm not that interested in the result today, but I want a performance. Yes, Yes. And I think in some ways that was the most disheartening element of it all. And perhaps if you've got, Ben White, Gabriel, who has, you know, the most physicality of of the Arsenal defenders uh, available at centre-half, Partey in front, who was looking so sharp in pre-season. You have much more of a chance with that kind of sort of uh, foundation to try and feel like you can express a bit more of a game plan, but... It was impossible and I, I don't think it was helped by the strategy that, uh, and structure that, that Mikel Arteta favoured. A back three felt like a good idea before the game, it felt like a good, better idea during the game and it felt like, you know, <laughs> a strange yeah. one to have not, not really gone for uh, at all at the end of the game. I know there were little periods where Xhaka sort of dropped back to sort of be another... A uh, body in 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 a in, in a back line. However, that just left a gaping hole in midfield, which was bad enough. So you then provide Chelsea's midfield players with ample opportunity to pick their passes to Lukaku to hold up or whatever. So, and of course, it, 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 you could see right the way through the game how damaging it was that Tierney was by necessity having to tuck in a bit closer to help Pablo Marie which just left Rhys James the freedom to do whatever Aikens. he wanted. There was nothing to cling to from that point of view. And it did reopen that question of how Mikel Arteta's kind of game management scenario doesn't usually lend itself to this doesn't work. How can I fix it now or quickly?
2: No. And and this surely, I mean, James, you said, I watched I watched your After the Whistle thing. I've read Amy's piece. Uh, I've read various other pieces. Jonathan Liu was pretty damning in The Guardian mm, about mm. us. Um, you said it that we are missing a lot of big players. I mean, I'm, I can't really see nine. I know that's what Mikel Arteta said, but I could certainly see five or six. And mm. it would have made a difference. But it is the lack of adaptability, isn't it? You, I mean, we could all see within two minutes what was going on. And yet Mikel Arteta... Couldn't, or is there arrogance? I'm trying to work out what's going on.
0: I mean, I, I have to be honest yeah. and say I'm I'm not convinced that there are many coaches who could have got that Arsenal eleven to beat Chelsea yesterday. I, I I do think that that was a week eleven we put out. It had to me the feel of like it had sort of like Carling Cup vibes to it. You know, there were a Absolutely. lot of young players on the pitch, yeah, and. It, it felt like men against boys, and I think it was at times. As regarding the sort of tactical plan, I am uh, bemused about who exactly was supposed to be picking up Rhys James. I mean, Amy's absolutely right. Kieran Tierney tucked in when Mason Mount went in from the right-hand side. He followed him. But that just left Rhys James completely alone. And you would imagine that one of Bukayo Saka, maybe, or Granite Shaka was detailed to follow him. And it just didn't happen. And it was it was completely our undoing defensively. But I think actually what was more concerning in some ways, or as concerning, shall we say, I felt Arsenal really lacked presence in the first half, particularly in the final third. And we just didn't pose any considerable threat until Aubameyang came on. I thought no. we looked livelier then. We had a sort of a, a spearhead to the Arsenal attack. But until that point, we were kind of a blunt force So, yeah, I I, I am concerned about the the plan. I think it would be impossible not to be after two defeats from two games. But I'm also frustrated because I feel like critique of it is difficult. And and like you, I don't think there are nine starters missing, but there's half a team missing. I think it's fair to say Arsenal were without their two best centre-halves, their best central midfield player, their two best centre-forwards. Yeah. And that... We're not good enough to survive that. You know, maybe there have been times in our history where we have been good enough to survive that. Right now, against a team of the quality of Chelsea, we're absolutely not.
2: No, and, and I think it's fair to say, is it not, Amy, that if Chelsea were missing five players and we had our full team, I mean, they still had a bench to die for compared to ours, but but I, I think um, it would have been a more even game, wouldn't it? And maybe at least a little bit, we have to view the game through that lens.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think it's, you know, you can't sort of leap to very extreme judgment on the basis of what's going on. And I think while Arteta doesn't really want to make excuses and doesn't want them to be used that much, I can understand why he feels like people just need to contextualize this situation a little bit more but I think the reality of it is it's so hard because you know they're... I struggle with this sense that people looked at the fixture list and looked at kind of the work that Arsenal was, were trying to do in the transfer market and obviously things take a while to to get done and what have you but there's almost a sense that the prep, you know, the preparation was geared towards how Arsenal might look after the international break. Yeah, Norwich, Should we, just... should, should we not start with you know nine points just absolutely abandoned, and all right, as every likelihood that Chelsea and Man City, you know, you might not do very well in those matches, but I think hard, I, I, I was really reminded of that. That thing that for so long, remember used people used to tot up how many years it was that Arsenal didn't get a point away from home at the big four <laughs> or whatever it was. And these hmm. statistics went on and on. And when Arteta came, one of the things that he achieved very quickly, which I think brought him so much credibility, was that he found a plan and an organisational approach to get a result and compete against the top teams. And it, within a three-week period, at the tail end of his first season, and he'd only been a few months in charge, he engineered victories over Liverpool, Manchester City in the semi-finals of the FA Cup, and Chelsea in the final of the FA Cup. Feels
2: like a long time ago, it though, does. doesn't it? It
1: does. But, you know, there was this kind of real sea change, I think, in terms of, wow, you know, Arsenal can actually not turn up to these games feeling half-beaten, which, let's be honest, was... Kind Kind of how it felt for a few years, and it's just a worry how quickly that has disappeared. Taking into account, you know, it might have been better with half a team there that weren't there. Um, we'll never know, but yeah, I, I felt like I was reminded of was it the two thousand and eight League Cup final? Uh, Arsenal played against Chelsea when Walcott was very new and scored. Oh, uh, maybe we got lost his first two one. Goal, and we had a yeah. very young team out. It was the young. Kind of iteration of, of of Wenger trying to have his project youth keep the team to, keep their, everything uh, flying in in the kind of period of austerity post move to the Emirates, and Chelsea just looked a bit average and just sort of plodded away, and then uh, you know Drogba just was was untouchable and just took yeah. it took the moment to remind uh, a hard-working young team who would. Giving it everything, full of enthusiasm, that that just wasn't enough against that kind of power, and it you know it just felt like yesterday's Arsenal was was so overpowered that it feels far away to be back in that in that period where you can you can go you know if not entirely toe to toe with big teams you can definitely kind of be trying to give it you know trying to have a, a, an attempt to get something good out
2: of the game well i mean i i agree with you about that league cup final i also felt there was a game when ashley cole uh, crossed and drogba scored uh, against almunia and it, and it was a similar sort of vibe then they were about 3 inches taller and about 4 years older and faster and just generally looked better than us and it sort of felt the same yesterday but it it comes back james does it not to this tactical rigidity uh, Jared C has asked you a question. There was very there were various questions on the athletic website. Um, I understand he said, I understand we were missing our spine in both a literal and figurative sense. However, that doesn't excuse the rigidness, he says, to stick to a system and tactics that clearly did not work in either match. Those games Amy talked about at the back end of the season before last, we played a back three, we acknowledged that we were up against basically better teams, and we we cut our cloth accordingly. Yesterday, he sort of went toe-to-toe with them.
0: Yeah, and I do wonder if Ben Ben White had been available, might it have been a back three? He still could have done it. He could have played Callum Chambers in there. He could have played Kieran Tierney in there as well as the third centre-half. That would have been my preference. I've never been as anti the back three as as some. And I think, you know, sometimes you've got to cut your cloth accordingly and I think it would have helped us to match up against Chelsea. That was a surprise to me that Arteta didn't do that. And I know Amy asked him about it after the game and... Gave a very sort of uh, deliberate answer, which suggested he had thought about every eventuality, and that he'd made yeah. the decision to go with the four. I think the three would have helped Arsenal. I'm not sure it would have, you know, gotten the win, but I think it would have given them a foothold in the game, which is something we never really had. But you know, it's. I, I feel for Mikel Arteta because I feel like he's in a position where he, it's there's a pressure on him to develop an identity and a way of playing. And I feel like if he goes to the back three and sort of plays in a more pragmatic fashion, uh, he takes a step away from that goal. Even if he gets a result, there's a sense of, well, where's this going? And I actually think, funnily enough, where it's going is kind of more important in some respects now than the results. I think there's a real desire among the supporters to see an identity, a style of play, as well as, getting positive results and and he has to balance those two things at the moment he's not achieving that really on either front but I I think I think that might be behind his decision to kind of stick with the system you know clearly he feels this is the way forward and he wants to adhere to that as far as possible even when uh, it doesn't seem to particularly suit us as as was the case against Chelsea
2: no. I mean, I do see that from a comedian's point of view. You try out new material as opposed to doing the old stuff and the gig might not go as well, but you develop as a performer. And I absolutely see that thinking. But mm. I did come away from that. I mean, a lot of the questions I'm looking at uh, that were asked to you after the game, there are some sack Mikel Arteta questions and i don't think i want to go there yet really can i ask amy do you think michael arteta will be our manager in a year's time
1: uh i'd like to try and answer that question in about november (laughs) is that right yeah no no that's i just don't think it's it's possible to make a judgment call at the moment um just just rewinding slightly to what you were saying before that question about being a comedian and going on stage and trying new stuff, and you you know it might not be your best gig. Arsene Wenger used to say, I think the phrase was, "You pay with points when you're playing with young players," and there is that kind of sense that Arsenal are trying to do something, but it's really hard because <laughs> you know when when you're far away from the place you need to be, it's even more of a risk to be doing that because even more feels at stake. But you take the bright points, which are when you look at Sambi Lukonga and you look at Nino Tavares, who both brought, I think, a lot of positivity to the table in quite difficult circumstances. James mentioned that the young players up front, you know, struggled to make an impact. And, and that is a, a slight, you know, everybody knows the talent that is there. And on a, on a, on a bad day, it's frustrating if, if there's no kind of end product or, or you know things that that show tangible proof of their quality um but you know across the team there are glimmers the question of course though is is how much uh, patience there is to give it time and also are the experienced players around them the right guys to help these young players to adapt and get better because for example someone like pepe i just couldn't see and looking to him saying come on you know you're the one in the attacking sphere of the team here who's got quite a lot of football under your belt. And it didn't really feel like there was much going on there, which was frustrating because you wanted him to take a bit more of a leadership role. Again, it was a difficult game to do so. No.
2: And turn forward once in a while. There was a point about 40 minutes in. I just watched the highlights of the first half. And there was a point about 40 minutes in, James, when he turned back. You uh, you know, you don't see that with Saka or Smith Rowe uh, that much. Um, one person I wanted to ask you about. By the way, James, one of the bright points, Tavares, you're a mm. fan of him, of his. I saw the, the thing you said. And, and he did provide, he is a, a physical guy, I think you said.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I forget which Chelsea player it was that he went shoulder to shoulder with for a a high ball and won the header and um, was then turned around very alarmed because the Chelsea guy was flat out on his back. But he takes no prisoners in the challenge and I like that about him. I also really like that he came on against Brentford playing as a right-back, a left-footer playing as a right-back and managed to be quite impressive there too. He he just seems to have a... He seems unencumbered by some of the... um, What's the word? Neuroticism that seems to afflict certain Arsenal players on the field. He's very direct, very straightforward, very powerful. The raw ingredients are absolutely there, and I think you know he is part of this interesting clutch of summer signings, all twenty-three or under, who've come into the club. But I think it's um, it's an interesting tension at play now that Arsenal are adopting a strategy which is kind of incumbent on patience in the transfer market uh, in terms of seeing these players come to fruition and and the other academy players too. But at a time where patience, uh, I think around the manager is wearing slightly thin. And so you're kind of being pulled in slightly different directions there. And, you know, you ask the question, will Mikel Arteta be manager in a year's time? Like Amy, I'm not sure but you can definitely detect a tension at play there. And and I, I do wonder how that will play out. I mean, fans are happy to buy into a strategy of kind of long-term thinking and youth and potential, but there is kind of a minimum bar for results. And if a team slips below that, and if a manager slips below that, no amount of hope and patience and youth development, I suspect, will save them.
2: No, uh, I mean, again, we have to point out that Chelsea are a very, very good team. They are European champions at the moment. The other player that I think did show some positivity and, and I mean, there there was fight from quite a few of them, but Sambi, there, there is potential there. But, Amy, when Partey's fit, he's not going to be in the team, is he? I
1: um, don't know about that. I think you know, he... You think
2: he's going to be in there instead of Xhaka?
1: Well, I think he's certainly got the potential to make that a a question that the manager has to give a lot of consideration to. He he clearly has a different kind of athletic profile to Granite. Um, they're very different players, so you could argue that depending on the game plan, the opposition, the circumstances, what have you, there may be certain games where Granite would be preferred, and there may be other games where Sambi is preferred. Uh, he 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 just has a um, an energy about him that I think is quite exciting. And he's obviously got to feel more settled in Premier League football and also to drum up a rapport with the players around him. So it's maybe about, a, there'll be a bit of tinkering until the kind of the dream partnership, if there is one in mid, central midfield, establishes itself. Whether that ends up being, I think it could be, any two from the three in different combinations, but we'll see which one wins through by you know a, a bit more time. But I think he he has you know it's a hell of a baptism of fire. Uh, I was I saw somebody saying that he reminded them of Vieira. I, I'm not <laughs> sure I'll quite go along with, with that just yet. But... Calm down. <laughs> no, hang on, let me finish. Yes, the, yes. The point I'm trying to make is that when when <laughs> Vieira came into the Arsenal team, he had you know. The back four behind him that need no introduction—the best defence to ever play for the club, possibly English football. He also had Dennis Bergkamp and Ian Wright in front of him. I had people like Ray Parler around and David Platt, who is a you know very very experienced England international who played abroad. Samby's coming into a team that you know we've already discussed. The defence is very far from ideal uh, at the moment. And, you know, there's a lot of very young forwards in front of him. So just from the point of view of how easy it is for a player of potential to come in and, you know, and, and get used to their surroundings and begin to express themselves and begin to impact games. I think it's a, a lot easier to do when you're coming into a, a team that affords you that, that space and time because there's not quite the same amount of pressure on you. It's a big ask for Sambi to come in and dominate this, a, a midfield in this team against that calibre caliber of opposition. And even if he couldn't do that, he still had moments where you saw a lovely shimmy and great long pass or yes. the way he would be on the half turn and find you know, play a very clever uh, touch to give himself space for a good pass. He's definitely a footballer that you think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him.
2: Well, I hope uh, I hope we've answered some of your questions. The only one we didn't, uh, there's a lot, like I say, of, of, of questions about Mikel Arteta and tactical rigi- rigidity. Joss H, by the way, asked, what sort of cured ham is better, prosciutto or jamon serrano? Uh, I think we do need an answer to that, by the way. Uh, thank you, Joss. <laughs> um, I'm going for prosciutto, but I don't know what the uh, panel think.
0: I would be with you, actually, on that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, Amy. Is, um, oh, Amy. <laughs> well, I'm
1: I'm vegetarian, so I'm not sure I can give a sense of an opinion. Uh, oh, however, Josh. in the the meat eaters in my house would be going prosciutto.
2: Okay, okay, Abby, our producer, has said serrano, but just out, uh, she has been outvoted. So uh, thanks for the question. We really appreciate it. This is the Arsenal podcast handbreak off for the Athletic. Myself, Ian Stone, with James McNicholas and Amy Lawrence
0: We better bit uh, with the handbrake at time.
2: Yes, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Ian Stone, James McNicholas and Amy Lawrence. Uh, now, if you want to hear what we did uh, that, the first 20 minutes of that podcast, uh, you could probably hear it again next week when we play Man City. <laughs> but before that, <laughs> we're playing West Bromwich Albion on Wednesday evening in the second round of the Carabao Cup. Abby, our producer, is just looking up when was the last time that happened. I th- she thinks it was 1995, but we will uh, get confirmation on that. West Brom have got off to a bit of a flyer in the Championship. Amy, before we came on air, you said this has taken on a bit more importance, but, I mean, who are we playing in that game? Because essentially the team that, we, that, that was put out yesterday with one or two exceptions would have been the team that he would have played in the Carabao Cup, but is he going to... Is he going to play the same team again with Man City coming up at the weekend? I'm sure there'll be
1: a a few changes. I think um, it's obviously one of those matches where you look for this kind of game to be the opportunity to see some of the youngsters who are on the fringes. So Aziz, for example, who uh, really excites me as as a young player, and Balogun, who got a few minutes yesterday, are the type of player that would be getting getting good minutes in a game like this uh, but i guess there is possibly bubbling away in the back of Mikel arteta's mind uh, a, a concern the optics of this not going well in this moment in time are really quite <laughs> quite daunting yes. so it, it does make you wonder um i mean the other thing is there you know the, the squad is still so massive and uh, the failure to be able to move too many players on means that there is a lot of bodies around and uh, how much do you want to be playing players who are maybe halfway out the door or or certainly their minds are halfway elsewhere um, when this is a really critical one in terms of um, the kind of relationship i suppose between the manager and the and the supporters i think that it will go down so badly if it goes wrong arsenal really need to make sure they they, they get a, a result in this game um given the lack of european football there's only two touch to go for yeah i just I fear for the kind well, we of We might backlash. win the league,
0: guys. Don't forget we might win the
1: league.
2: <laughs> Bit of catching up to do with our goal difference after next weekend, but yes, you're right. But it two trophies, as you say, Amy. And and you know, if we put out a weekend team and West Brom who have started well in the championship, beat us and we're going into the Man City game with three defeats. And and you know what? Even scoring a goal might be nice. Um <laughs> James I mean, what's your view? Do do you think that we should put out some of the stronger players? Do you think, say, for example, say Kolasinac, should he play in that game?
0: Uh, I wouldn't have thought so. I think he was probably only on the bench yesterday to make up the numbers. I mean, when Tierney went off, it was Tavares who came on. And Kolasinac, as far as we know, is on the verge of a, a move to Turkey anyway. So I'd be surprised if he was... Um, playing on Wednesday. I hope they put out a decent team. I'm actually going to be there. uh, Glutton for punishment. I am so excited about the return of football (laughs) and fans to stadiums that I'm going in the away end on Wednesday night. But I think that you make a good point, Ian, when you say a lot of the players he would have picked are probably already out there. I mean, he doesn't have a huge amount to choose from. And I think that's something that's worth mentioning in terms of changing the game plan. I mean, who did Arsenal have on the bench yesterday that you felt could change the game. Probably only a Bamiang. Oh, yeah,
2: that, that was it.
0: Yeah, that really was it. And it was similar at Brentford where we saw, you know, uh, Rhys Nelson coming on, even though he's a player right on the fringes of the squad against Chelsea. You know, Balogun was really on as a throw of the dice. I don't think anyone anticipated him making a, a significant impact in that game just due to his lack of experience. So I, I think he will mix it up. I don't know how much... He'll be able to do that, though, given the problems that he's got. I mean, a couple of those players will be back in the squad. You'd think Lacazette might well be back. His period of isolation will be over, but it's how sharp will he be? We might have the new signings available. You know, obviously Aaron Ramsdale will be available. You'd think he'd probably play. Maybe Martin Odegaard's visa will be sorted. um, So he'll be able to get a few minutes. I think Amy's right. I think it's quite important not to lose this one. You know, everyone was prepared, I think, for what might happen against Chelsea yeah. and what might happen against Manchester City. I think Brentford subsequently became all the more important and losing that game was such a, a dreadful start. If that was compounded by a defeat to a championship side in West Brom, albeit a competition I don't think anyone's too enthused about, I think it would look pretty bad on Mikel Arteta. And I also personally don't think... This is a competition Arsenal should chuck away. I mean, you know, it's a relatively quick route to a final. I think they've done away with the second legs of the semi-finals and things like that. So it's a bit less burdensome as a tournament. And, you know, you get European qualification at the end of it. And (laughs) Arsenal can't take that for granted at the moment, having not achieved it at all in any form uh, last season and not achieved it via the league places the season before. So I think this game has um, an unusual degree of significance. It's
2: 1995. Like, oh. Sorry, just to let you know, it was 1995-96 season and we um, uh, we played Hartlepool and we won 8-0. What were you going to say, Amy? I was just going to say that
1: the, the League Cup this year feels a bit like um, die at Europa League when uh, James describes it <laughs> like
0: that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <sighs> yes, and it you know, does. Nobody it, really fancies it that much, but it's a you but, know, means to an end. It's God. indicative of... It's Look at indicative.
2: what's happened to us! Well, it is indicative of where we are. But a couple of bits of good news. Uh, well, Martin Odegaard signing and introduced to the crowd yesterday. And it was hard. I couldn't understand what he was saying because there was so much noise. <laughs> Not used to that at the Emirates. Uh, and Aaron Ramsdale as well. Um, uh, Amy, a bit of competition in the goalkeeping area is a good thing, right?
1: Yep, very much so. And Leonard did pull off, by the way, a fairly remarkable save sense, yeah. um, to remind people of what he is capable of yesterday. But yep, glad to see competition there because definitely it had been a concern that Leno was struggling for form. And I think, you know, he's he's not really had huge competition for a a, a while now Um, since the the Martinez situation and pre the Martinez situation. I don't think he felt massive competition there, but it's only really when Martinez came in and was so brilliant that there was, that was probably the only time he's had competition for his place in a sort of serious way since he's been at the club. So yeah, that, that is helpful on all fronts to have that option. And uh, I hope Ramsdale gets that chance, as James mentioned, to play at West Brom and Just from the outside looking in, I couldn't help noticing what a super nice guy he seemed with just that absolute winning smile and all the uh, media stuff he did when he joined the club. It just gives the impression of someone who is incredibly happy to be there. People do talk about him being a, a, a really positive influence inside a club, really popular and uh I've got a lot of goodwill and I'm rooting for him and uh I was a bit disappointed by people making big, uh, nasty judgments before he'd even set foot in the building. Don't think that's a a, a great look. No. Um and I, I I wasn't really sure why. It's not like I don't know, it was a player you hated for whatever reason, you know. I don't know if Ryan Shawcross was suddenly <laughs> in you know gossips to be joining us at some point, people would have been up in arms but with a reason, but I just don't see why people took to him, because I think in the main as well, people didn't really have massive expertise on his characteristics and qualities let's be honest, a few but maybe not a lot so I hope that he gets the chance and seizes it and uh, proves to people that you know for, for the reasons that he was selected by Arsenal that he merits that
2: Yeah, uh, that winning smile might come in handy in the next few months, (laughs) to be honest with you. I do, I mean, is it, James, is it the fact that, um, you know, he's got this ridiculous record where he joins a club and they get relegated and I'm not, you know, I'm not going down that road at all. Although if we're in the relegation zone just come say March. You that because of
1: the table. <laughs> no, no. If we're in the
2: relegation zone come March, I'm strapping a cannonball to him and chucking him over the side, like in <laughs> Master and Commander, right? Yeah. But But, it, you know, as Amy said, he does seem like a nice guy. He bonded with Bukayo Saka, apparently, in the England camp in the summer. And it's competition. And surely competition for places is what we need more than, than most teams in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I think he provides immediate competition. I think... There's hope that he has the potential to be a number one at some point in the future at Arsenal. I don't think you'd outlay that kind of money if you weren't at least optimistic of that happening. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on against West Brom. I, I think Leno has not looked great since around Christmas time. And I think the lack of competition probably is part of that. And. Ramsdale's arrival might just keep him on his toes it was a fantastic save to deny Lukaku in the second half yesterday Yeah, um, and I think Leno is better than he's shown personally I think you know it's easy to forget quite how brilliant he was before his injury that allowed Emi Martinez in and I think even at the start, first half of last season he had some very very strong performances which kind of put the Martinez thing to bed for a few months and then it reared its head again of course but I think Leno has got better performances in him than we've seen so far, and if Ramsdale can push him to produce those, then that would be a good outcome. If not, I don't think Michel Arteta will be shy to change it. If Leno makes more errors or looks shaky or lacking in confidence, I think when you've spent, you know, twenty four million pounds and upwards on a goalkeeper and he's sat on the bench, you can't be too shy about putting them in. And uh that wouldn't surprise me either. If we see Ramsdale getting a shot, you know, between the sticks between now and the end of the season, but I think I think his performances in these cup games will be crucial in kind of giving Arteta the confidence to potentially do that.
2: And we'll talk about Martin Odegaard uh, another time. I think. I mean, we we've spoken about him quite a bit on this podcast in the past, but we uh, are pleased he's back and um, welcome home. It does seem a little odd, but there you go, welcome home. Uh, let's have a song before we go. Uh, Amy, what have you got for us?
1: Well, I came home from the game last night. I found myself looking for songs by returning to lots of in- hugely miserable nineteen uh, eighties indie <laughs> bands. And uh, <laughs> going around a few a few houses, I, I plumped for the Cocteau Twins um, and a song called Crush. So yeah. Sorry about the, right. pessimistic feel there, but that was my vibe.
0: Yeah, James, what have you got? Uh, An unconventional choice. I've picked a song from a musical that was going round and round my head as I trudged out of the Emirates Stadium last night. It's actually from Jesus Christ Superstar, and it's the song Could We Start Again, Please? (laughs) Um, Which is how I feel about our Premier League season today. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, I've gone for "Oh My Gosh" by Basement Jacks. As I as as Chelsea ran out, and I thought, "Oh, he's good," and "Oh, he's good." Oh, they've got Lukaku as well, and that was really the thought that was going through my head. Can, <laughs> yes, on, Jack, can we on, can,
1: on the, the subject of songs? Can, can we have a moment to just talk about the song?
2: <laughs> well, um, yes, this is your first time back, in and a, in a bad, in a bad news week. You know. Go <laughs> on, Amy. Can we
1: at least have a moment to appreciate a little, a little shining light of good news? Which is <laughs> well for those for those who, who don't know uh, about this. Um, uh, some of you will be aware of Arsenal's adventure into the world of socios and cryptocurrencies and a whole bunch of stuff that seems dubious and uh, I don't really understand it. Don't really want to know too much about it. However, this kind of use your cryptocurrency rewards thing to vote for stuff at the club, did have uh, as its opening gambit, which song should Arsenal have to, uh, to play at the end of matches? And uh, dear listener, you can imagine my expression when the news came through that uh, sweet Caroline, no longer so sweet, has been binned. So um, that really made my day, actually, uh, when I heard that. And and we're going back to Curtis Mayfield. Move on up, which is another opposite choice
2: of song. Let's just move on up, shall we now, please, Aston? Mm, that would be yeah. a good choice. Just move on up. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, by the way, if you want to read uh, about uh, Sosius, you can do. Uh, there's there's more on there on the Athletic. Um, if you want to try and understand what's happening. <laughs> all the way I also should say by the way that uh, uh, David Ornstein has done an interview with Jack Wilshire uh, this week always an Arsenal player I think no matter who he plays for he just feels he's got an Arsenal gene in him and how we could use him in midfield by the way Uh, but that's uh, another matter Uh, that's it for the Handbreak Off podcast for this week thank you James thank you Amy thank you to Abby our producer and thank you for listening uh, enjoy West Brom on Wednesday, I'm Ian Stein. see ya.